counsellor or a psychotherapist wanting to attract more clients more simply, then you, lovely person, are in the right place. Because I'm here to help you navigate marketing and remove any confusion and overwhelm that you might feel. Oh, and ditch that critical, nagging inner voice too. So each week I'll offer you inspiration, motivation and practical advice so you can get your marketing done and then get on with your life. I'm Jane Travis and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hello, hello, hello and welcome back. And if it's your first time here, it's really great that you found us. I hope you're having a good day. hope you're okay. And today what I want to do is talk a little bit about mistakes because a couple of weeks ago I made a mistake. I don't know if you heard it. If you did, I hope you laughed, but I published my podcast as usual. So it gets published to go out in the wee small hours. And so I published it, you know, scheduled it. Everything was fine. I woke up the next day to a message from a lovely listener. So if you're, if you're listening, thank you so much for contacting me. And they said, just listening to your podcast. And I think that there's something wrong with it because it doesn't have any introduction music. And I don't know, there seems to be some mistakes in it. And have you ever seen like a cartoon character that's walking down the street and there's a piano drops from 10 floors up and flattens them? Well, that's what I felt like because, yep, I'd managed to publish the unedited version. So I'd managed to publish the version that had all of my mistakes, the one with me swearing, the one with me being really frustrated and saying something several times over because I kept stumbling over my words. So basically, I managed to publish the episode that had all of my errors in it before my lovely editor, Phil, had skillfully removed all the rubbish that I say. So yeah, if that was you, thank you so much for letting me know. I really do appreciate it. I did have a few people contact me to let me know what I'd done. And, you know, yeah, I want to say thank you very, very much for letting me know and for having my back. So what happened then? Well, I started to listen to the episode. Um, (laughs) I'm laughing because it is funny. I started to listen to the episode. And if you've ever been like, equally horrified and embarrassed and amused all at the same time. Well, it was kind of like that because every time I heard a mistake and every time I heard me set, heard myself swear, I kind of, I kind of simultaneously died a little bit on the inside whilst also just laughing my little head off because, because it was quite funny to be honest. So after a panic, I worked out how to correct it and change it. So that got done. I was a little bit worried that it might take several hours for for them to make the change, but I think it got done quite quickly. But what happened next was quite interesting because I shared it with the members of the community. So I shared it with people in my membership, in the Grey Private Practice membership. And some people were quite, were really funny. And they said, why don't you do a bloopers reel? And I thought, well, that would be like hours long. <laughs> but I got these comments. So somebody said, thank you for this. You make everything seem better and possible with your honesty. Very grateful to have you. You make me braver. You make me braver. And that really, that kind of just really went in. So the fact that I talked about the fact that I'd made a mistake 
had helped someone to feel a little bit more brave because they could see that making a mistake wasn't going to be the end of the world. So thank you. You know who you are that said that. I know who you are that said that. Thank you. That really did. That really did go in and that really did sort of make a difference to me. So thank you. Somebody else said, I absolutely loved it. It gave me a really good laugh as well as the wonderful lessons in it. It also helped me realise what goes into a polished performance. Thank you. So thanks for that. Again, I know who that was. And somebody else said, thanks for sharing and showing that we can all make mistakes. It's how we react to them that matters. And that's the important thing here. What I'm, you know, the point of this episode today is I want to just talk a little bit about mistakes because sometimes we can be so frightened about making a mistake. It can actually stop us from doing something to move forward. You know, we're so scared of making a mistake. I just want to reassure you that, you know, pretty much all of the time, the mistake isn't going to be that bad. Really, it's about it's not about that we have to not make mistakes. It's about how we react to them that really matters. I also shared this in my weekly email. And as a result, I received lots of really supportive emails from people. So yeah, you know, me sharing this mistake reminded people, reminded maybe it reminded you that mistakes just aren't the end of the world and that it's okay to be human and that people seeing mistakes generally kind of respond with, oh, that's fine. You know, they're just human. We all make mistakes. Now, ultimately, this reminded me of a situation with Tracy. Now, Tracy was a a member of the Grow Your Private Practice Club. And I can remember a time when a simple mistake led to a really positive outcome. So I contacted her. Basically, I wanted to just say, is it all right if I talk about your story? But long story short, we jumped on a call and she very kindly let me record our conversation. So here's the conversation that I had with Tracy about a mistake that she made and how it changed her life. So take a little listen. So Tracy, it's it's lovely speaking to you. And I remember so clearly there was a time when because you because you struggle with dyslexia and that's obviously had an impact with you for you through your life. And there was a time I remember really clear when somebody had received an email from you with a typo in it, which as somebody who's dyslexic is, you know, it's not not heard of. But rather than just ignore it, they I think very, very rudely pointed it out to you. And I can, I mean, can you tell me what that was like? To receive an email from someone not even inquiring about the service or the service they had received, it was about the spelling mistake, completely took me by surprise and potentially took me the the feet away from me because it was a lot, you understand the whole body of the email, what what is the issue here? You're just focusing on one. And I was told I wasn't professional and I should really have someone check my emails before they go out. So that took me back to a time when being in school and being ridiculed, not only by peers, but by teachers. So there's lots of shame and guilt and panic and I'm not good enough. I'm now going to come off social media and I can't practice because I'm obviously, I can't can't do it. Mm. And that... I remember that so clearly. It shook you up so badly. You said, that's it, I'm coming off social media. So that one person's comment, which was basically really rude. I mean, who would do that? Who would send a response that points out something like that? It's just rude. 
but it knocked you so much that you said, I just can't do this. And you were just going to come off social media. And obviously the impact of that business would, you know, the impact, the impact of that potentially on your business would be keeping you very small. Very small. And for me, I've worked very, very hard, as, as all practitioners, in my opinion, to get to where I am. And being dyslexic is a challenge for me. I'm not denying that. Always hasn't, will always be a challenge for me. But I'm now very open about it. But to have that pointed out in the manner in which it was brought back all those years of narrative and shaming and guilt and, like I say, teachers and even college and some university lecturers not understanding how best to support me is really, really, it's unfair and really started to question my love for a job I think and believe I do well. So it's not just something that is a comment that makes you feel bad. It's something that absolutely rocks your world and takes you back to being that that misunderstood child Mm -hmm. with the issues where, I don't know, yeah, misunderstood is it, isn't it? That's the word, misunderstood. Misunderstood and the message being sent, sometimes verbally and sometimes not verbally, is I wasn't worth the bother or effort to ask. So I wasn't seen. I was told, sit down, you're not worth that more than once. So mm. I believed that. So I carried that for a long, long, and still do periodically. Never goes for me. I cannot speak for me. So for me, it still comes and taps me on the shoulder. But every now and again, I need to then seek support and my cheerleaders from family and friends and colleagues who give it. No, come on, let's, let's look at the evidence. Mm. We can see the emotion stuff and we can support that, but look at the evidence. So so you got that email and that rocked you. What was, what happened? Because things have changed now. And if I, I mean, obviously I, I sort of, I know you used to be a member of the, the um, Grow Private Practice Group, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I see what you have on your LinkedIn bio and it's it's got in there that it's got that you're dyslexic and work with no, neurodivergence in there, doesn't it? It's, So what made you go from being really kind of ashamed of it to saying, right, hang on a minute. No, this is what I do. This is who I can help. (laughs) That has taken time, if I'll be absolutely honest with you, because there has been that, I put my head above the parapet because if I've done it in the past, I get seen, I get ridiculed, I get made fun of, not all the time, but most of the time. And then actually, I'm a mum of four. And all four are neurodiverse in their unique own ways. And being able to actually be their advocate and try to explain to people in power or authority, actually, can you see the person, not the label? Mm. Can you actually work with a person? That, I think, has been helpful, but also the client work. And having that feedback from clients as well as the say colleagues saying, why aren't you talking about this? Mm. You're relatable. People don't need to see... No offence to any big artists or Richard Branson, who's the dyslexic, you know, poster boy for dyslexia. I can't relate to that man. I love wee women from Glasgow. So if I can meet one person who can go, that's me, mm. then that's wonderful. So there's something about you being able to use your experiences to help others that's kind of changed things for you, that's kind of fired you up almost. 
Yes, it has, because again, my experience from the 70s and 80s, I thought had passed because all oh, we're so more aware, we're all more diverse, you know, we're ticking all the boxes, black and white on paper, ironically. And that's the tragic part. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for me, I've now got maybe a platform and I have a voice. Yeah, absolutely. Because you talk, you do talks now, don't you? Yes, I'm asked to do more talks now about it, which is quite surprising because I'm thinking, why me? And then they go, well, why not you? Mm. Again, I'm, I don't think I'm anything different from anyone else, but it's a case of, well, I have a voice. Maybe I can be approached by some person given it. Your story resonated with me. That made sense. That's it. That's all I do for a job. Mm. So why would I not do it for dyslexia? I feel passionate about it. I can talk for Scotland. <laughs> Never mind Britain and England and everywhere else <laughs> about it because assumptions are made of stereotypes. Mm. If I've said I don't, I, I'm dyslexic, people think I can't read and I can't spell. No, I can. I'm not illiterate. Mm. I might be poor at spelling. It might take me longer to read, but I can read and I can spell. So it's time to, it's not my job to educate people, but it's my job to start a conversation. Mm. But there is some education there as well. I mean, let's not forget it, that you have an experience, a lived experience that you can use as a way of helping to educate other people. I'm not talking in the counselling room, you're going to sit there Mm -hmm. like a teacher, but if you're out giving talks... Yeah. And part of that is that you're helping to educate people and s- sort of clear up some of these misunderstandings, mm-hmm. which is really valuable work. And I think my brother was, was is um, dyslexic and he was always kind of not teased, but slightly teased as a child because he struggled with reading and mm-hmm. he's very intelligent. But when he was younger, there was kind of a question mark over that because he struggled to read. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's far more intelligent than I'll ever be. So having people that can highlight that and stand up and sort of, you know, really stand up for the people who don't have a voice, I think is amazing. And the more people that learn, then obviously the better it's going to get over time. We would hope. We would hope. Yeah. <laughs> There's always that hope. Now, obviously, I'm mad keen on niching. I think niching is the best thing since sliced bread. And as a counsellor, as a therapist, if you have a niche, it makes a difference. And the thing I I believe strongly about niche is that it is it helps you to work with the things that you're passionate about. So you said that you can talk about this for Scotland, for England, for the world. You can and I think that's what happens when we're when we have a niche, it's the passion behind it. Because a quiet person, somebody who goes, oh, I don't want to be visible. I don't want to it's it it stops that because it's like I want to shout about this thing. I want to stand up for other people's rights. I want to help to educate. So for you, going from somebody who's, oh, I'm not really sure about being on social media to actually mm-hmm. going and doing talks about this is, for me, the power of the niche, isn't it? It's you going, it's- right, I, this is, I so strongly want to help people who are living a life that's misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put away my my own nervousness mm-hmm. And I'm going to go out and do it for them. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I love so much about niching. Is that how it's been? Yes. Too? It is, yes, very much so, Jen. But I think also there's still the scary part mm. because there is that I want to do this well. I feel so strongly about it. I don't want to do it wrong because there are enough people out there who might be doing it wrong. 
Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a case of really able to do it as well as I can. Yes. So it's scary. So there is that pressure that I put on myself to do it. But there's also a sense of, like I said earlier, if I can speak to just one person and it's like, oh my goodness, that's that's me. Or parts of that are me. Or I didn't realise that was a thing. Because it's always evolving, always moving, and it never stays stationary. And I'm very passionate with the sense of round peg, square hole scenario. If we can make that round peg and the square hole, if we make the square hole big enough, any shape can fit through it. Any shape. It doesn't need to be round, it doesn't need to be square. It can be rectangle, triangle. Any shape. If we make space big enough, then everything can fit through it. Yeah. Why are we not solving that? And that's the bit that I get between my teeth sometimes. And it's like, right, come on, you need to be doing this. <laughs> and other times it's like, whoa, just just sit down, just stop a minute, take, catch a breath. But I think that's such an important point. I mean, you know, I, I love what I do. I'm really passionate about what I do. And I'm just working on a new thing that's kind of an old thing. <laughs> but it's really sparking up my passion. Just because I feel passionate about it, and just because I feel so strongly about it doesn't mean that I don't have that little bit of me that's going oh well is can I do I know enough can I really do I I think that the passion can help to to quieten that a little bit but I don't think it goes away just because we feel passionate about doing something doesn't mean that those those you know voices of (laughs) voices that spark up I don't think they go and I don't think they'll ever go I think it's always a case of doing the thing you want to do even if you're feeling a little bit scared or unsure. It's the roller coaster. Mm. It's that roller coaster. It looks so much fun, but thank goodness it's scary and it goes really high and it goes really fast. Yeah. And it slows down and it is that scream if you want to go faster, the scream if you want to go off. So we're always screaming. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's what it feels like. Is that constantly going, oh my God. Ah! <laughs> it's that trying to get that balance. The tap in the shoulder that I periodically get of, mm, are you sure about this? I acknowledge it now, I don't ignore it, because if I ignore it, it gets bigger mm. and it becomes louder. So if I ignore it, okay, what are you trying to tell me here? Can I use what you're telling me as grounding? Am I going too fast? And having that dialogue with it. Yeah. And seeing it as something that's actually helpful, not harmful. Yeah. And then moving forward or not moving forward or just pausing. Mm. Rather than giving it, nope, can't do it, can't touch it, nope, last one. They're taking that pressure off that, oh my God, I'm terrified, but I've got to do it or not do it. It's okay to just go, well, I'm, just have a little think about this. Can I please pause? You know, what is actually happening for me? I always like that that thing in anxiety when they say, if you're feeling anxious, mm-hmm. would it just be excitement? And I sometimes think that we say, oh, I feel really anxious about this, when actually maybe you're just feeling really excited about it. And it's that... It's a kind of a reframe, isn't it? And mm-hmm. the pausing can help you to really get some perspective on what's going on for you. Yes, but I'm very aware. And I don't, it's because I'm dyslexic. My dialogue and the language I use has a huge impact on me. Mm-hmm. So the word no is only two letters, but it's huge for me. Mm-hmm. So I try not to say no. I change it to not at the moment to give me that pause and breathing space. Yeah. No, it's too big. Not at the moment. It's two words, but it's actually longer in letters, and it means gives me flexibility. Yeah. So being able to being able to change the narrative in my head of 
I'm stupid, I can't be educated. Well, actually, I can. It might just take me a little bit longer. Yeah. I might need being creative ways around it. Yeah. That's okay. There's my breathing space. Yeah. So giving yourself some space to be able to find out how you can do the thing you want to do in a way that feels right for you. Yes. And for me, mm. not a box tick of white, female, middle class or work class or whatever, that's the criteria you fit. Yeah. So maybe, so maybe finding like creative ways of doing it that work with mm-hmm. you. I'm currently sitting on a call with you with pink paper and a blue pen. because I know pink paper actually reduces the eye stress for my brain really yes and blue pen is less harsh for me to read than black text on white paper yeah I didn't know this so I've been taught all the way through school white paper black text that's stressful for me yeah that tires my brain tires me physically I can't focus and concentrate so I can't take in information so just by learning about yourself and what works for you makes the whole process. So just something as simple as learning about if I use pink paper and a blue pen, that is going to help me yes. rather than, tr- and that's just self-awareness and self-knowledge, isn't it? And trying things. Mm. And it is, it is very much because I have written on white paper with black pencil all of my life because that's what we were told that's what you have to do absolutely there's no there's no alternative no that's not alternative apart even on the computer it's always a piece it's white presumably that can be changed to the to yes. a background of a color that's going to be more helpful for you as are your phones all my my mobile phones i only have two by the way i don't have flip burner phones or anything <laughs> all of my phones <laughs> all of my phones i'm going to be like quite oh. <laughs> my private phone and my work phone I have changed the font on both phones to make them, for me, dyslexic font friendly because I'm on my phone. I'm checking yeah. emails, so I need to be accessible all the time. Yeah. So my fonts have been changed to a text and dialogue that I can read comfortably. Yeah. I've had people take my phone and go, I can't read that. And I'm like, okay, I'll read it. You don't have to. Why <laughs> would you want to? It's my phone. But isn't it? Sorry. It's okay, it's just small things like that can be big things. And I think that's for, you know, dyslexic or not, I think that's the way to run a business. If you know that, so for example, if you know that going on social media is terrifying, either either find ways that you can do it that's less terrifying or do something else. You know, so it's like, if something as simple as changing to pink paper and a blue pen makes a difference to you and makes things easier, mm-hmm. then in, in the whole of our business, in the whole of our lives, but in the whole of our business, there's got to be lots of little things that we can do to make our lives easier. You know, whether it's working at different times, whether it's, you know, yeah, just finding a way. And I think as well in business, I'm going off on a tangent now, I think in, in business, if we're used to working for the man, as you you know, as we might call it, if we're used to having a paid job and mm-hmm. be told what to do, how to do it, yeah. when to work, when you can not work, when you can have your leave, how to dress, how yes. to behave, yes. yeah, it becomes when you become self-employed, it's really difficult because it's like, okay, well, where are the rules? What am I supposed to do? And it's mm. quite awkward, isn't it? Because it's like, well there aren't really any rules. You make your own rules up. I mean, you know, you know that you need to do this thing, Mm -hmm. but there are hundreds of different ways to get to that. 
Mm-hmm. And for me, that creativity is exciting. And I suppose it's, it is literally like with you and your pink paper and blue pen. What is going to be the thing that helps me to do the thing in the way that I enjoy doing it or that helps me most that's going to help me to get to the thing that I want to do? Yeah. And be able to present the best version of me. Yes. But I'm not burnt out. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not tired. Yeah. So, you know, things like your paperwork and stuff. If people are coming to me and inquiring, saying I'm dyslexic, okay, is this font better for you to be reading through some information? Do you want to go through it with you together? Or just asking questions. Yeah. And it is because for me, it's a case of you don't know what you don't know until you know it. But how are you going to know unless you start asking? Yes. Yeah. But it's asking in a way where you're not being mean about it. You're not being judgmental about it. Yeah. So curiosity. Curiosity, yeah. but gentle curiosity. Yeah. Because, like I say, I'm a mum of four. Two of my oldest are dyslexics. So I have three dyslexic in the house. We had all three different dyslexics. Yeah. The label's the same, but we're all different. Yes. Yeah. Because we're people. Yeah. So look past, and not everybody wants that diagnosis or label or to speak about it. Yeah. yeah. I'm now at the point where I'm giving it, yep, I'm, I'm out here in my pink paper and my blue pen. Yep, that's me. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'll go on a watch. You've really stepped into it, haven't you? You've yeah. gone from being a bit ashamed, having shame about it, mm-hmm. to being able to say, right, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to help to change some of these misunderstandings. I'm going to be able to be a voice for other people. And that has helped to inspire you to 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 find that passion, get that love back into your work, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the love for the clients that have come through the door. Yeah. Or the parents or the partners or the client themselves, given that I'm not understanding this. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, where, where do I go? Because... Yeah. For some, and I'm generalising here, people from my age weren't given the opportunity to have the question of, what do you need? Mm. There was just assumptions or, right, if you can't read that or you can't spell your 10 words in a Friday afternoon, just sit down. I'm going to stop asking. Yeah. And people stop asking. Yeah. Or, you know, the likes of an email you get back from a lovely person saying, you're aware that grammatically then you have spelling mistakes. Mm. Okay. Does the world explode? Yeah. I've had people tell me I've got spelling mistakes on my website. Yes, I have. I'm dyslexic. Some of it might be on purpose. Oops. Some of it might not be. But it doesn't matter. I mean, I always, I occasionally have people contact me (laughs) and tell me that there's some sort of grammatical error on my website. And I have to say, hand on heart, I don't really mind unless I'm like, you know, really embarrassed myself with something that's, but if there's a typo on that, I don't mind because. I'm busy. And isn't it better for me to put something, isn't it better for you? Isn't it better for us all to put something out there with a message to help people? Who cares if it's got a typo in it? Anybody reading that who can be bothered to... Take the time. You know, take the time to tell me. Sometimes it's from a nice place. Sometimes it's all just to let you know. Yeah. It's a completely different thing. But if somebody's a little bit one-upmanship and sort of, oh, check you, right, you made Mm -hmm. made a typo, then it just doesn't bother. It just just doesn't matter to me. It's more important than I I put my message out there. It's more important that you put your message out Mm -hmm. there than a silly little typo. You know, there's... 
we don't have to be perfect, do we? I think, and I keep saying to my husband about this and wearing a t-shirt, I'm human first and foremost. So I'm flawed. I'm okay. I need to be okay. And that's all right. And sometimes I'm okay and sometimes I'm not okay. That's all right. But in the huge scheme of things, because we're still in a pandemic, if a couple of spelling words are so important to you, then I'm sorry. Yeah. You really need to prioritise other things in your life. Absolutely. So there are times when I can laugh it off. And there are times when I yeah. sit, I'm a five-year-old, I'm a five-year-old needs to be nurtured, it's, it's, it's okay, you're not being judged. Absolutely. Tracy, look, thank you so much. I mean, to be honest, you know, <laughs> we just jumped on a quick call because I remembered you telling me that story. So I made this mistake in my podcast and it went out and I was like, oh my God, people are going to listen to me swearing and, <laughs> and it just... Afterwards, well, I'll, I'll say about it a bit more in the actual podcast, but but thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. It really is lovely talking to you. And I love the fact that you've gone from this feeling of shame to actually really standing in this and saying, right, I'm now going to be one of the people that helps other dyslexics mm-hmm. and that you're able to stand up and take your place. I just, I love it so much. So well done with that. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Again, I, I follow your podcast and I know I was a member and I do miss, you know, the wonderful group that you've created because it is, the stuff that you do, Jane, is so valuable. Oh, and it is. And I know we've spoken off camera and it's like, oh, it can be a bit of scary biscuits sometimes and I really don't have my stuff together. You give a platform and a space where people can be human first and that's wonderful. And there's not very many places that are safe do that and do it well and that's down to you and it genuinely is thank you so, no I really appreciate the, the time that we've been together in the group and I know we speak periodically out with for that and do keep in touch again I can't do what I do now without that gentle cheerleader of Jane Travis and the rest of the, the group giving it come on it'll be okay we've got you it'll be alright and if it's not alright it's okay Yeah. so Keep doing what you're doing and keep occasionally making the odd oops moment in your podcast because you're human. We're <laughs> fancy. Oh, bless you. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love how that negative incident morphed into something that has ultimately changed Tracy's life, changed it for the better. So thank you, Tracy, so much for sharing that. I know that your words will have resonated with many people. And I'll put some details below this or around this somewhere of how you can contact Tracy. So why don't you don't go and connect with her and yeah, let her know that you've had a listen to this. Just to be clear, I said in that chat that I'm not bothered by little spelling mistakes, but please, you know, I just want to reiterate that if I make a big mistake like posting the draft version again, I'd be extremely grateful if you pointed it out to me. So yeah, ultimately the point of this is that I so often see people that are paralysed by fear and that that fear stops them from doing what they need to do to move themselves forward. Or they might be paralysed by perfectionism and that perfectionism is something that stops them from moving forward because the thought of making a mistake is like, you know, the end of the world. Or maybe, you know, maybe you're par- paralysed by something else that stops you from moving forward. So I really want to say that the truth is you are going to make mistakes. You know, you can't get away from it because everybody makes mistakes. It's just a part of being human. 
And when you do, the world doesn't stop turning. It's absolutely fine. You know, I was embarrassed that I put out this this podcast with all my swearing in it. I was embarrassed and I wish that it hadn't happened. But, you know, nothing bad happened. And it gave people a really good laugh. And I hope that if you heard it, it made you laugh too. So look, do your best, but learn to roll with the punches because something positive could come from it. And look, if you'd like to have a community of peers cheering, you know, cheerleading for you, come and join the Grow Your Private Practice membership and see what a difference it's going to make for you. It's currently still only £35 a month. So again, I'm going to put a link somewhere around here, but it's growyourprivatepractice.co.uk. Go and have a look. And if you've got any questions, just let me know. Okay, so that's all for this week. So keep going, keep learning. Keep making mistakes and remember you're human first, counsellor second. And look, if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be brilliant if you could consider leaving a review. Okay, have a fantastic week and speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this, then please subscribe to the show. And while you're there, I'd love it if you could leave me a big, shiny five-star review. Bye.